0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Great to see everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We're beginning a a series this morning from the little book of 1 John, and the series title is Just So You Know. And that's uh, an appropriate title for 1 John because John is writing to some people who are a little confused about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so he's writing just so they would know the truth about Jesus and the truth about uh, how to know Jesus and the truth about the Christian life. And what he says to those people is good for us today because we need to be reminded of uh, what it takes to be saved. We need to be reminded of who Jesus was and what the message of Jesus really is. The title of the sermon this morning is Taking It from a First-Hand Witness. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And we're going to move right into the first two verses of chapter 2. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for uh, bringing all the folks who are here today, here today. I'm grateful for every person who... Got up this morning and made the decision to come worship with us here at Palmetto Baptist Church. I'm also thankful for your word that we have the privilege of reading your word. It does something to us just to read it. I'm grateful to you for giving us your word. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us some things from this passage in 1 John. Teach us some things about the message of Jesus, your message. Teach us some things that we need to know. And Lord, I pray that today would be a day that would be a landmark day in someone's life. A day in which someone chooses to invite you into their lives to be their Savior. A day in which someone chooses to unite with our church. A day in which someone Make some decision that you've laid upon their heart for some time. A day in which prayers are offered here at the altar that need to be offered. Lord, I pray that this service, the rest of it, would be equal to the first part of it, and that is where you fill the place. And even more, in Jesus' name, amen. I have a picture I want to show you. Uh, take a good look at this man here. Uh, and uh, raise your hand if you think you recognize this man. Raise your hand. Anybody in the house raise your hand? Um, all right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Of those seven, three of you were in the first service. It doesn't really count, Chris. Uh, seven people raise their hand uh, for those of you who didn 't raise your hand, uh, let me give you just a, a little bit of a hint this man 's name is Edward J. Smith. obviously he is uh, a captain, so Captain Edward J. Smith. Does that help anybody? Do you know now who he might be? Raise your hand, raise your hand if you know uh one two three four five six seven eight nine ten knowing the name actually helped you a little bit by the way did anybody see philip and tammy sensing back there they got their grandbaby back there did y'all see see that grandbaby stand up and let's see that grandbaby come on come on now come on stand up oh look at that baby now i want to tell you uh, i don't know they're 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 their parents uh, their parents let Philip and Tammy come in here with that baby today. That was dangerous, man. I'm going to tell you, that was dangerous, dangerous. Congratulations to y'all. Just wanted to say that. Yeah. That's a Braves fan and a Dogs fan, that, that little baby right there. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Back to this guy. Captain Edward J. Smith. He was the captain of the Titanic. You probably know that 103 years ago this Wednesday, April the 15th, 1912, the Titanic sank in the icy waters of the North Atlantic Ocean. 1,517 people perished when that ship sank. It was on its maiden voyage. That bad boy was brand new, and it sank. Ran into an iceberg. And uh, you know uh, and I know that you know this because you've heard it, because the legend and the, the stories about the Titanic are, are abundant, but uh, everybody who got on that ship believed, because they had been told by various media outlets, that the Titanic was unsinkable, that it would not sink. Uh, They even believed, once they realized they had run into an iceberg, there were some who believed it still would not sink. One of the officers recommended that they increase the acceleration of the boat after it had a big hole in its hull from running into the iceberg. And of course, accelerating the speed only made the water come into the hull of the boat more rapidly, which hastened its sinking. They believed that the ship was unsinkable. There were several uh, newspapers and magazines in 1912 that even talked about. There was a, a, a journal called the Shipbuilder that said this quote: "This ship is so great that the captain may, by simply moving an electric switch, instantly close the doors throughout the ship, making the vessel practically unsinkable." Captain Smith just a few years earlier, talked about the nature of modern shipbuilding. And he said this, he says, quote, I cannot imagine any condition which would cause a ship to founder. I cannot conceive of any vital disaster happening to this vessel. Modern shipbuilding, this is 1910 to 1912, modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. But of course the Titanic was sinkable. The the misconception that that ship was unsinkable turned out not to be true. Now I know that it does not come as a surprise to you that there are things that we can believe wholeheartedly that turn out not to be true and the fact that we believe them wholeheartedly does not make them any truer. And so it, it behooves us to make sure that what we believe is the truth and that it is based on truth. Because sometimes believing something that is not true and believing it to be true can have a very traumatic impact on our lives. It sure did have a traumatic impact on 1,517 people on Wednesday, April the 15th, 19... 19- 12. Captain Edward J. Smith was last seen on the bridge of the Titanic, having just given the order to abandon ship. He was never seen again. As I read 1 John, it, it is, it is, uh, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that John's readers are succumbing to beliefs about Jesus that are not true. Now, folks, let me tell you something. There are some things that we can believe that are not true that, that really don't matter. They're not going to have any, any impact upon our eternal destiny. For instance, this carpet down here is, uh, is green right down here in front of me. Uh, if I said to you that I believe this carpet is blue, That's a false belief. That's a belief that's not true. But I can believe that until I die. And and you know what? It's not really going to matter, right? But there are some things like believing that a ship is unsinkable when it is sinkable that really have an impact on your life. Let me tell you something that's even more traumatic and more significant than whether you believe the Titanic was sinkable or not. And it's this. What you believe about Jesus is the most important issue that you will ever have beliefs about. And John is writing to some people who have, are, are either believing or they are being tempted to believe that Jesus was less than he actually was. And so uh, they, were, they were grabbing onto this doctrine, which by the way, John was written sometime around 88 to 90 A.D., He's First uh, John is one of the last books of the Old, of the New Testament to be written. Uh, you only have Second, Third John, and the Revelation yet to go, and uh, Paul's letters are already written. In fact, Paul's been dead uh, twenty years by the time John writes this. First John, Peter is dead and gone. Uh, most of the apostles, maybe all of them except for John, are dead and gone. So, First John comes really, really late, and he's writing to these people and and. And there is a belief that has started taking seed at the end of the first century, and it really comes to full blossom in the middle of the second century, that basically said that Jesus was not a flesh and blood, skin and bones person. Rather than being a flesh and blood, skin and bones person, he was more like like a ghost who walked around. And the reason they they believed this was because they believed that anything flesh was evil, and therefore, uh, since Jesus was God, and God is not evil, and flesh is evil, then when Jesus came, He could not have been skin and bones. He just had to be a ghost, a spirit-like. And they backed that up with some of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. For instance, on the Sunday after Easter, which would be like today, uh, Jesus appeared to the disciples. It was the first time Thomas had seen Jesus since he had, had risen from the dead. And Jesus appeared in a locked, in, in an upper room that was locked. I mean, he didn't knock on the door. He didn't unlatch the lock. He just kind of appeared, walked through the door. And so these people who believe that Jesus was not skin and bones, they, they hark back to the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus where he just appears. And they said, see, that, that tells you that he was not skin and bones and flowing blood. Now that belief was a problem for John. John believed that Jesus was real, and he believed it because of things that he experienced with Jesus. And it's interesting, in, the, in these opening verses of 1 John, he gives us some actualities about the message of Jesus. Let me just stop here for a moment and let me just ask you, what do you believe about the message of Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Well, uh, what, what uh, people believe about Jesus was important to John. It's important to me. I think it's important to you. Let's hear what John says. He, he lists four actualities about Jesus that his readers and that you and I need to know. You see, 1 John was written to believers so that we can have a clearer understanding of what it means to be saved and to live the Christian life. And so here here are the actualities that John wants us to know. First of all, he wants us to know that the message of Jesus is based upon firsthand accounts, eyewitness accounts. Notice what he says, beginning with verse one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this concerning the word of life. The word is John's favorite term for Jesus, the word. He says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we've looked at and our hands have touched In the Greek language, the language that this letter was originally penned in, there are several words for touch. The most common word is the Greek word opto, which means to touch, as in touch something, like I'm touching this uh, stand. That's not the word John uses here. Instead, he uses the word that is selefio. And selefio means to touch for the purpose of examining something very closely. If any of you have been uh, to a doctor for your physical exam any time in the last few years, you know that your doctor will do a number of things. She will uh, uh, she'll check your blood pressure and uh, listen to you breathe and take a blood sample and and uh, may take a, a urine sample and then she'll have you lay down and she will poke around on you. Yes. Hello. She'll poke around on you. Does this hurt? What about this? What about this? (laughs) You know, that's the touch that John is talking about when here in verse uh, 1 he says, our hands have touched. It is literally an examining kind of touch. The message of Jesus is based on eyewitness accounts. The gospel writers like John, Matthew, they, they were eyewitnesses. Now, not every author of a New Testament book is an eyewitness. For instance, Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, was not an eyewitness of Jesus. But we know that Mark spent some time in prison beside Simon Peter. And some of the early church leaders tell us that when Mark wrote his Gospel, he was actually writing what Peter told him concerning what Peter had experienced with regard to the life and ministry of Jesus. So what we have in the New Testament are books that are written either by eyewitnesses or by people who talk directly with the eyewitnesses. And what that means is that when we look at the message of Jesus, we don't have a message that was made up by some Dr. Seuss somewhere. We have a message that was given to us by people who were either eyewitnesses or they had talked with eyewitnesses. The message of Jesus is based on First-hand account. Second, the message of Jesus, John tells us, informs us that God is holy and He wants us to be holy. Verse 5. This is the message we heard from Him and declare to you. What message? That God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Throughout John's writings, the word light is a symbol for Holiness. When John says light, he's not talking about the sun or some sort of light fixture or even a candlelight. He's talking about the holiness of God. And John here is saying, look, not only was the message of Jesus based on eyewitness accounts, but it affirms for us that God is holy, but not just that God is holy and that God wants you to be holy. How about that? They say, well, that really puts us at a disadvantage. Yes, it does, because we can't do that on our own. We need God's help, which is part of the reason that uh, Jesus came and died and rose again, so that by His power, we could live the kind of life God wants us to live. But God does expect us to live holy lives. That was one of the basic foundational beliefs of Old Testament. In uh, Deuteronomy, the Bible says that we are to be holy. God says, you are to be holy as I am holy. Jesus, in uh, the last part uh, of uh, one of the chapters in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, look, he said, uh, he said, if you only love those who love you back, what are you doing? Even sinners do that. He says, if you only say hello to your brothers, uh, what are you doing that nobody else is doing? Even the worst sinners do that. And then He said, but you, you be holy perfect as your father in heaven is also perfect. God is holy and he wants us to live holy lives. So the message of Jesus informs us that God is holy and he wants us to be holy. Number three, the message of Jesus declares that we are sinful people. That's the uh, hard truth about us, isn't it? Verse number six, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You know, you don't have to be overly religious to look at our world and conclude Everything is not right here. Not all is right in our world. In fact, we don't have to be overly religious to examine yourself and say, gosh, when I analyze all of the thoughts that I have in a given week and some of the things that I have done in a given week, it's not hard to come to the conclusion that not only is not all right in our world, but not... Not everything is right with me. You see, that is, that's the, another foundational a concept that is woven throughout Scripture is the sinfulness of humanity. It's not. I don't say that to condemn anybody, to bring you down, to, to, to crush anybody's feelings. I'm just simply saying it as truth. That is the truth that is about all of us. Paul says in Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John here says, if we claim we have not sinned, we're, we're liars. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The fact of the matter is that the message of Jesus, which is based on eyewitness accounts, tells us that God is holy, God wants us to be holy, but we are sinful, every single one of us. And then number four, the message of Jesus assures us that even though we're sinful, Christ Will forgive us. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Oh, but he knows we will, so he goes on. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. An advocate is an attorney who steps up to the plate for you. So who is our divine advocate? Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he says. Verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. World. You see, the only way that we can live in the light of God and have eternal life is to have a relationship with Christ. That's the sole reason Jesus came. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 5 verse 8. He says, but God commended his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John's readers were being told untruths about who Jesus was. What? Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. Folks, this is not the color of the carpet we're talking about. This is not even the sinking of a ship we're talking about. This is the foremost person that you will ever be confronted with. What you and I believe about Jesus determines everything about our eternal futures. Not believing the truth about Jesus is dangerous. It is a threat to everything you are. I love uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, the actor Daniel Day-Lewis. Great actor. He's played in some great movies. My favorite was Last of the Mohicans. Anybody, saw, anybody seen Last of the Mohicans? Wasn't that a, not a great movie, Daniel Day-Lewis? I'm told that when he prepares for an acting role, He literally becomes obsessed with it to the point that he doesn't talk with other people. And he just kind of absorbs himself in that role to the point where he convinces himself that he is the person in the movie uh, that he's playing. Now that's commitment. A reporter was asking Daniel Day Lewis once how he prepared for his acting roles. And here's what he said. Quote, I suppose I have a highly developed capacity for self-delusion. So it's no problem for me to believe that I'm somebody else. I have a highly developed capacity for self-delusion. So it's no problem for me to believe that I'm somebody else. You know, you know who else has a high capacity for self-delusion? You do. And I do. It's not hard at all for you to believe something about yourself that's not true. For me to believe something about myself that's not true. It's not hard at all. In fact, I lean toward and you lean toward believing things about important people like Jesus, for instance, that are not true. What do you believe about Jesus? Don't shrug it off. It's not the carpet. What you believe about Jesus determines everything about your eternal future. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you have Jesus right up here and in here? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I am grateful to you that you love us more than we've ever been loved, that you, Jesus, came, you lived, you died for us, you rose to give us victory over death, and you reign from heaven and in our hearts through your Holy Spirit even now. And you are constantly calling people to yourself. You want people to be saved. You want people to know you, to have a relationship with you. You want us to know the truth about you. Lord, in this room there may be some folks who haven't received you as Savior. And Lord, this is the opportunity they can have to come and just say yes to you. And I pray that some folks would. This is the opportunity for those of us who've been saved, maybe been saved a long time, to just get some things adjusted, tuned up. The altar is a good place to do that. God, I pray that in this moment, this time of invitation, lives would be changed. Hearts would be jarred. People will know that you are here and that you're real. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.